You're listening to the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. This podcast is a part of Overtime Heroics. Join the forums for free at OvertimeHeroics.com. And the Rise Up Podcast Community, bit.ly slash community. Welcome to another installment of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Opening theme from Music Radio Creative. Visit theleewmallon.com slash podcast to listen on your favorite podcasting platform. Now for our host, Lee W. Mallon. Episode 105. Great to be back with you on this podcast. There is a new app I like to tell you about. And personally, I think it will be a very nice app if you have questions for Malin's Mailbag, if you have critiques, you have ideas. It's called the Flick Chat app. It's free on Google Play and on the App Store. What you do is you download it, you make an account, you can... Either connected with your email, Google, I think Facebook might be an option. It's free. This is all free. And then go to join the group Local Sunday Sports. All one word. You couldn't possibly imagine how tough it was to just pick a group name because everything was above 25 characters. So there you go. I also shared it on Twitter and probably share it on Facebook eventually. And probably share it on the post on my website, theleewmallon.com. And again, what it is, is talk about what you like about the podcast, what you like to see happen, critiques. You can listen to the podcast on it as well. At least I think you can. I hooked it up. And you can put in questions for Malin's mailbag. I've never been the type of person to be picky about how I get questions. But it's something I think, hey, maybe it'll be interesting. Maybe I'll get people involved. It's Flick Chat. It's free, and it's in the App Store or on Google Play. Go download it, make an account, then join the group Local Sunday Sports, and we'll have ourselves a chat. There you go. It's also on the podcast website, theleewmallon.com slash podcast, if you just want to link right up to it. It's only mobile. It does not work on computers, laptops, desktops, whatever we're calling them now in 2019. So, 105 is scheduled to be a short episode, but let's see how true that stays. As you might know, next week is the two-year anniversary of this podcast. Yeah, ever since graduating college, I've talked and talked and talked about doing a podcast, and in 2017, I finally did the podcast and it's been going for nearly two years now my plan is to have a live stream on youtube again on monday night we'll see how that goes plans might get in the way but stick around follow along on social media rather not stick around and maybe it'll be tuesday night i'm not sure but that's the plan and hopefully get some interaction going for the two-year episode. It'll be neat, so come on out and 
have a good time online. We'll start off with the Great Lakes Summer Collegiate League All-Star Game for Episode 105. It happened in Prasco Park in Mason. And the North defeated the South in 10 innings, 6-4. to four. And no, it did not go to extra innings. It was 10 innings to give every All-Star a chance to play and or pitch. Which I really like that, you know? You're named an All-Star, so go out and fight for your team. Your winning pitcher was Giancarlo Lasser. Your losing pitcher was Nick Meyer out of UC. And Jesse Heinekenen. I believe that's how you say it. Heikinen. He recorded the save for the North, the victorious North team. 82 degrees and cloudy that day. In fact, there was a rain delay during the second inning of that game. Three umpires for that match. I don't know why that's important. The big blow was in the bottom of the six where the North scored four. And that was pretty much the icing on the cake. Two runs in the bottom of the fourth for the North. Four in the sixth for the South. They took an early one nothing lead. Added two in the eighth. One in the ninth. And that's all she wrote. The South did out-hit the North 7-5, to five, but also committed one more error than the North 2-1. to 6-4 to four North was your score. Some of the highlights of the names I recognize. There's from UD, Jake Silverstein. Two for two with one run scored. Uh, Fabic out of Ohio U went 0 for 3. Also looking through Eddie Persinger 0 for 2 in the match. Again, for these all-star box scores, the first names are not on here. So unless I recognize the last name like that, there you go. We'll look at some of the heavy hitters. I mentioned Silverstein had two hits and two at-bats. Cates went one for four with a walk. Miller, the third baseman and pinch hitter, went 0 for 3 with an RBI. Four RBIs collected by the South. We look at the North. There are five with hits. Center fielder Fisher on the third baseman. Tove, who was named the MVP of the All-Star Game, went 1 for 2 with two RBIs. It's from the Lima Locals. Grzeminski went 1 for 2. And Warkenton went one for two as well for the North. We look at the pitching lines now. I mentioned Meyer took the loss for UC, went one inning, ten total pitchers for both the North and the South. Two earned runs on one hit, walked one, struck out two. He took the loss, giving up the game-winning run to the North. The win went to Lasser, a Inning of work with one walk. The save went to Heikinen. A clean inning with one strikeout. South pitching struck out 12, including a completely perfect inning by Webb back in the ninth. Struck out the side. Two for Devine, two for Meyer, two from DeClue. That's a great last name, DeClue. For the North, you had nine total strikeouts from North pitching. Ben Schulter and Hot with two. Hot from Wright State. Ryan and Miller with Strutzels off. Let's try that again. Strutzoff and Heikinen with one apiece. So that's your all-star break look for Great Lakes. Like I mentioned, Prasco Park is very special. 
it's in Mason, and it's right. It's not right by, but it's very close to the Western and Southern Open courts, the Linder Family Courts, and Kings Island, of course, because that's the big thing to do in Mason. And the owner doesn't charge a mission, doesn't charge for concession stands. I think that night they had food trucks come in, and it was like a battle of the food trucks, which is pretty neat. So I, I always like Prasco Park for that, and it's always nice time to see it happen there. I mean, free admission, free parking. I mean, can you really beat that? Free food? I don't think you can beat that. Well, maybe you can. It's called not have a rain delay, but I don't think Prasco Park can really help with that. Maybe they can. I don't know. Now let's talk about what's at stake for the Great Lakes. We'll start with standings. As of today, we only have six days, five hours, 11 minutes, and 40 seconds. Oop, 39 seconds. No, we're not doing that. Season ends soon. In fact, next week. Your standings will start with the north. The Lima locals have a very, very solid clinching of the north, 25 and 11. Weirdly enough, in the standings, everyone is zero games back. I don't think that is supposed to be like that. Let's try over here. Lima leads the north. Licking County leads the south. And there is no games behind there. I will tell you that Lima has clinched a playoff spot and the only team to do so in the Great Lakes. The oldest team and one of the more successful teams, Lima just keeps rolling like a train. That's their mascot. That's what's supposed to be funny. But Lima, 25-11 and 11 in the north. Right behind the locals. Muskegon and the Clippers, 20-17. and 17. The Michigan Monarchs are 19-18, and 18, formerly the Lake Erie Monarchs. St. Clair Green Giants, the only Canadian team in the Great Lakes, 17-18. and 18. Grand Lake and Salina, 15-21. And, and Galleon and the Graders are 9-26. and 26. We look at the South, Licking County I mentioned, and the Settlers lead the South 22 and 15, but only by a half game as the Cincinnati Steam are 21 and 15. In third place, the Southern Ohio Copperheads at 20 and 16, Hamilton is 18 and 16, Xenia is 18 and 19, and Richmond and the Jazz are 12 and 24. That's your look at the Great Lakes, like I mentioned, six days left. Next week, we'll probably get into who's making the playoffs and who isn't. Click the playoffs tab real quick. There's also some news about the Great Lakes, which we'll get to in a little bit. This is from 2015, which that is not this year. That is interesting. It's usually three, four teams. Actually, it's up here on the homepage. Don't you love live happenings on podcast no well sorry to hear that it's a best of three it will be north two versus north one and then south two versus south one and whoever advances gets to play in the championship series top two you're in bottom four you're out easy peasy of course all dates and times are subject to change and we have those lovely pop-up storms or we have this lovely humidity that's all sarcasm i think you know that but the playoffs are scheduled to start July 25th. Hard to believe. Like I mentioned, Great Lakes season, it starts and then you blink and then it's gone. Prospect League lasts about a couple weeks more, but 
summer collegiate ball just goes right by you, and bam, it's gone. We'll touch up with the Great Lakes next week, tell you about the playoff race. The big news I wanted to tell you about, the Great Lakes Summer Collegiate League has been ranked as the 8th best summer collegiate league as determined by the Collegiate Summer Baseball Register. The entire Great Lakes was given a team roster score of 4.20, which is just behind the Valley Baseball League at 4.22, and right ahead of the Northwoods League at 4.18. Northwoods would be more Michigan, Illinois, Wisconsin, I think the most famous team would be the Madison Mallards. If you remember a decade or so ago, Gary Coleman was a guest player for the Mallards. And then the ump takes his bat, turns it upside down, and finds out it's corked, and then he gets tossed. So I think that's what happened. It could be a wild dream that I'm just picturing in my mind. But yeah, Madison Mallards, Northwoods. But we're talking about Great Lakes. The Collegiate Summer Baseball Register scored each player based on the competition level of his college program. Points were given for each NCAA level as well as junior colleges, NAIA, the alternative to NCAA, and CCAA, which is National Christian College Athletic Association. CCCAA, not going to try to guess what that is. There's three C's, two A's in it. So... You can't win the car from Spelling Bee if you... Eh, never mind. And NWAC. that be Northwestern Athletic Conference? No, I'm not sure. That one either. Extra credit was given for P5 and G5 conference teams, which is Power 5. You know, Big Ten being pretty much the bigger one around here. And G5 conference teams as well as... The top 25 ranked programs. So if you're coming from a big school playing Great Lakes, you earn the conference more points. Upperclassmen were given high-end scores than underclassmen. The average roster scores of league cohorts determine league ranking and includes 32 summer collegiate leagues. First off, I did not realize there were 32 summer collegiate leagues. That's pretty outstanding. But then again, when you have opportunities to, you know... There you go. And then it talks about the All-Star game, which happened, I told you, North won at 6-4 in 10 innings. Not because it had to be forced to extra innings, but all 10 All-Star pitchers got one inning to pitch, which is very, very nice. The Great Lakes was the only league in the top 10 list this year that wasn't part of the top 10 last year. It was an honorable mention in 2018 and jumped up eight spots to finish in eighth. The Cape Cod League, which is pretty much, if you follow college baseball, you know that's pretty much the, I hate to say it for all non-fans, but the Yankees of summer ball. Pretty much if you play there, you're getting scouts every night. The Cape Cod League was the overwhelming first place league, and their score was 7.17. Remember, Great Lakes is 4.20. The second place team, the New England Collegiate Baseball League, also a very solid uh Conference. I was going to say squad. I mean, with all the players, sure, that'd be an amazing squad, but there you go. New England had a score of 4.92. So, yeah, instant drop-off. Like I mentioned, if you play in the Cape Cod League, you're going to get seen. I mean, last year Peyton Burdick did that, and a couple of Wright State Raiders did that, and look where they're at now. They're in the minors, and they're kicking butt. So, congrats go to the Great Lakes Summer Collegiate League, 8th best out of 32. 
It's impressive. And now we jump from the league to league, and now we talk about the prospect league. Again, one team in the immediate area I talk about and Chillicothe because it's the second closest, and I like the paints. The All-Star Game hasn't happened yet, but it will in a couple days. July 23rd, it will be at Normal, Illinois. A former Frontier League team now turned into Prospect League. Forget if this is the first or second year of the Corn Belters being in the Prospect League. Really like the logo. As you know me, I'm a big logo nerd. It's shaped like home plate, but on the top half of it, it's got crops and corn growing. I really like that. Normal, Illinois. I believe that's the home of the Illinois State Redbirds, too, collegially. The Corn Belters are hosting the 2019 Prospect League All-Star Game at the Corn Crib Stadium. So make sure you talk a lot about corn there, because corn is always happening. Family Guy reference, there you go. It's brought to you by State Farm Insurance, the town of Normal, and Amirin? What is Amirin? Amarin? Sure. The All-Star activities begin with an on-field meet-and-greet autograph session with the home run derby following at 7. And Major League Baseball legends Andre Dawson and Rick Ankeel will captain the home run derby. They're joined by Bill Madlock and Whitey Herzog for the autograph session. All-Star game itself is July 23rd. It's 10 bucks just to get into the All-Star game. And it gives you numbers... Event overflow parking. Visit this website. It hasn't happened yet. And Prospect League doesn't have too long before the end of the season. We are heading into August. Meaning collegiate baseball kind of simmers down. You start thinking college sports again. Which I can't wait to get back in and out. I am very excited about that. Again, the Prospect League goes from Beckley, West Virginia, all the way to Eastern Missouri. At one point, it went all the way to Jamestown, New York. That only lasted a season or two. Uh, both Pennsylvania teams are gone. The Slippery Rock Sliders became the Champion City Kings. More on that later. And so on, so on. Your standings look like this. We'll start with the East. That's the two teams we talk about. Danville and the Dans. Yes, there's a team called the Danville Dans. 28 and 13. And they're leading first place by a game and a half over the 28-16 Chillicothe Paints. In third place, the Terre Haute Rex at 24-19, five back. Six and a half back, 22-20 and 20 are the Champion City Kings. They're coming off a nice win against the Lafayette Aviators. Did not play last night, Thursday. I think it was because of that nice pop-up storm that lasted a long time. That's now a doubleheader today and a game tomorrow. I believe one Sunday. Lafayette is seven and a half back of Danville and one game back of Champion City at 21-21. And the West Virginia Miners are 15 and 29, 14 and a half back of first place. If you told me, I think I said this in previous episodes, but if you told me West Virginia being last place by that much, I would have called you crazy because they're normally the top team, but Hasn't happened for a while. In the West, you got the Cape Catfish, 30-13. and 13, Five up on the DuPage Pistol Shrimp at 23-16. Quincy Gems, 24-19. Hannibal Hoots, 15-27. and 27. That's 14 and a half back at first and fourth. Normal, the host of the All-Star game. The Corn Belters are 14-28, and 28, 15 and a half back. And in sixth place in the West, the Springfield Illinois Sliders, 9-32. and 32. 
I mentioned that there was news. There is a fill-in opportunity for yours truly. I get to be the PA announcer for one Champion City Kings game in Springfield tomorrow. Starts at 6.30 at Carlton Davidson Stadium. That's just by the campus of Wittenberg University. It's right by where 41 turns off to go downtown, I think. I don't know. That's the way I'm going, but there you go. Yeah, I'm really excited. Don't get to PA baseball much after spring season, so... Heck yeah, I'm excited. There's a couple of Wright State Raiders on the Kings team, I know. But I'm really excited just to have the chance. And also, it's a nice close rivalry by close rivalry. It's probably the second closest team in the East to Champion City. Third would be a close West Virginia. But yeah, really excited. Come on out to Carlton Davidson Stadium. Plenty of parking. It's where the Wittenberg Tigers play. You can hear my voice. I don't know if that's, a, you know, a point to get you in, but there you go. We'll look at the All-Stars for the East Division. You have from Champion City, Jacob Freeland from Faulkner University. You also have Stephen Cullen from Motlow State Community College. There are four Kings, if I remember right. From Faulkner University again, Bo... Sucumbi, I believe that's how you say it. I'll learn on Saturday. Bo Sucumbi and also Jared Hatch from the University of West Florida. They are the All-Stars representing Champion City in Springfield, Ohio. There are a couple paints on this team, such as Zach Kendall from the University of Rio Grande. I know it's not Rio Grande, but I forget what the actual pronunciation is. From Toledo, Nate Hot. You also have from Chillicothe, Cole Andrews of Miami U, part of the Red Hawks, Penn State's Gavin Homer, and Cody Orr from Tiffin University. Congrats go out to the All-Stars. They're competing in the East. Freeland is an outfielder, as is Cody Orr. Cullen is an infielder. Homer is an infielder. You have catcher from Chillicothe, Cole Andrews, like I mentioned, of Miami and the Red Hawks. Bo Sucumbe of Champion City. He's also a catcher. Two catchers for the Paints in Kendall and Hall. And Hatch for Champion City, the lone pitcher from the Springfield squad. Eric Coleman will be the manager of the Danville Dans. Like I mentioned, Danville is having a pretty tremendous year. And we look at the West to see if there's a Local folks, Ohio Wesleyan's Canyon McWilliams of Normal. He'll represent the home Corn Huskers. Nope, excuse me, Corn Belters. Corn Huskers is Nebraska. There's corn in it. I know that. Logan Schmidt of Miami U. He's with the Pistol Shrimp of DuPage. Steve Larkin of the Cape Catfish will be the manager of the West. I really wish I had a chance to go to the All-Star Game for the Prospect League when... I think it might have been the last year of the Richmond River Rats at McBride Stadium. Would love to have been a part of that. But there you go. That's Prospect League. Again, All-Star Game is until July 23rd. And we'll give you the results. By we, I mean me, because it's a solo man production. Give you the results next week. And we'll step aside, take a quick breather, and come back. Part 2. There are two teams riding the IL train. We'll find out who. 
I bet they're local teams. This is the gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. What's going on, guys? Grant Pushkar here, joined by my co-director, Victor Williams. Are you looking to bring more attention to your sports content? Over at Overtime Heroics, you can be a part of a growing sports community, such as podcasts like my own, Cleveland Surge, and my own Philly Special Podcast. And if you're looking for a place to share your sports opinions, they also have an active forum for all sports topics. So if you want your sports content to be heard amongst other sports fans, go over to Overtime Heroics forward slash forums and make your first hot take today. Hey listeners, did you know that you can buy gear supporting the local Sunday sports podcast? Visit the LeeWMowen.com slash podcast, then click on Buy Podcast Merchandise, made by T Public. You can get shirts, hoodies, mugs, phone cases, and even stickers. Check out the local Sunday sports gear by T Public. I'm Ty Yeager, and I want to introduce you to the Rise Up Podcast community. A community for podcasters created by podcasters. Dedicated to the promotion and growth of podcasts everywhere. Rise Up is not a network. There are no contracts and no control over your content. Just a vessel for you to spread the word of your work and connect with fellow podcasters to collaborate, create, and promote. And guess what? It doesn't cost you a single cent to join the community. Join the Rise Up podcast community today by visiting our website at bit.ly slash community and follow the community on Twitter at rupodcommunity. Again, that's bit.ly slash community and at rupodcommunity on Twitter. Come and join the community of podcasts and rise up with us. Rise Up Podcast Community. Hi, everybody. I hope you enjoy the gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Did you know you can get paid just for listening to this podcast? I just discovered this free new app called PodCoin, and it literally pays you to listen to podcasts. Here's how it works. You listen to podcasts, and you earn PodCoin while you listen on the app. Then you turn that PodCoin in for gift cards for Amazon, Starbucks, and more locations. Or you can even take the PodCoin and donate it to charity. The more you listen, the more you earn. Here's what you do. You download the app right now for free in the App Store or on Google Play and simply use my code CINCYSPORT with two eyes, and you'll get 300 PodCoins just for signing up. So go ahead, listen to this podcast or any podcast on PodCoin and sign up with the code CINCYSPORT with two eyes. It's changing the way people listen to podcasts. PodCoin. All aboard the IL train coming towards your favorite baseball teams. Toot. There you go. I made the train whistle sound. You know, podcast of the year. Nominate me. Actually, don't. That's right. The IL has bit the Dayton Dragons and Cincinnati Reds hard as of late. And we're going to talk a little bit about it. Not my favorite part of the podcast, but it must be done for news sake. For the Dragons, the single-A affiliate of the Cincinnati Reds in the Midwest League, a couple big ones in the last few days. We'll start with July 17th. Starting pitchers Alexis Diaz and Ricky Salinas placed on injured list. Left-handed pitcher Andy Fisher promoted from Greenville. That is Greenville, Tennessee, not Greenville, Ohio. Although, could you imagine a rookie ball team in Greenville, Ohio? Actually, I can't, but there you go. Left-hander Andy Fisher to Dayton via Greenville and the Reds. 
July 18th, first baseman Brent Spillane placed on injured list. First baseman Cameron Warren promoted to Dayton from Greenville. So yeah, that's three big names on that list. Ricky Salinas was the minor league pitcher of the month for June for Cincinnati. His ERA in the month was something like 103, 1.03, not to give you the idea. 103 ERA, that's an award. Highest ERA ever, but there you go. No, Ricky Salinas, heck of a month. Did get roughed up a bit against the Beloit Snappers, but the Dragons came back and won that game and then put on the IL. So that's two of your starters off that list. On the injured list, I should say, off the active roster. And now left-hander Andy Fisher will start at Kane County. I think he's got the Sunday game start. For Brent Spillane, his bat was just starting to get hot. He was playing better. He got his batting average over 200. For most of the year, it was around 150, 170. It was tough, but Spillane worked at it, and he started to hit. And then he's now in the IL. So Cameron Warren is coming in to take his place. A little preview on Cameron Warren. He was drafted this year in the 22nd round from the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Born June 15th, 1995. So he would have been four and a half when Y2K happened, which it didn't really happen, but that's another podcast for another time. Coming in to Dayton, Warren batted 333 in 39 at-bats in rookie ball. 11 RBIs, one triple, one home run. 13 hits total. Slugging percentage at 46-2. That'd be 46.2%. On-base percentage, 39.5. That's not bad. Four times out of ten. Wish my on-base percentage was that high. So, small sample size. But, here comes the first baseman that the Reds drafted this year. It's some of the draft picks that been looking forward to seeing. Lodolo is doing well in Billings, but not a lot of pitching time for him. You know, save the arm, make sure, you know, you don't overdo it. At this point, I don't see Lodolo coming to Dayton this year. 2020, probably. Maybe even opening day 2020 starting pitcher. I don't know. I don't, I don't pretend to know that, but there you go. So a little older than Midwest League, but remember, went through entire campaign of college ball. So, that's experience. You can take it. So, I, I'm really excited to see if Cameron Warren makes the starting lineup for the Dragons tonight. They won last night's game against the River Bandits of Quad Cities. Formerly Swing of the Quad Cities, if you remember those jerseys, the light blue, the sky blue, and burnt orange, like Texas Longhorns burnt orange. And on the jerseys, the first number would be smaller than the second number. I never got that aspect, but yeah, they didn't last too long. River Bandits, now part of the Houston Astros farm system. It was all quad cities the night before, but Dayton came back. Starter did not make it out of the third inning, but the bullpen did a very nice job. Machado, great work. Almost four innings to shut down... The River Bandits bats. Former UIC Flames starter Ryan Campbell. 
He gave up a couple runs his first inning. And then it was former Pitt Panther Matt Pytich closing out for his fourth save. He's become the saver. The saver? The closer. Why isn't it saver? Hmm. That'll be an episode where I have nothing to talk about. Oh, wait. I always have something to talk about because there's always something going on in local Sunday sports. Anyway, the closer, since Connor Bennett got promoted, was at one point tied for second most saves in the Midwest League, then got the call up to Daytona, which is advance day. It's advanced because there's an extra A at the end of Dayton. It's in Florida. Yeah. So that's Cameron Warren for you in a nutshell. I know I riled off a bunch of stuff, but he will be a Dayton Dragon, and I'm not sure exactly how long he'll be a Dayton Dragon. It's also a very bad time to find out that all my saves, all my searches, rather, have been erased from Twitter by going over to the new Twitter. That kind of makes me sad. I like new Twitter. I know a lot of people don't, and I know a lot of people want uh, an edit button, but there you go. No lineups yet, by the way. It's too early for that. It'll probably come out around 4 or 4.30. But there you go. So that's Cameron Warren for you in a nutshell. He'll bat for Brent Spillane while he's on the IL. I'll tell you a little bit about left-handed Andy Fisher as soon as everything loads again. Left-hander, like I mentioned, that's always a plus. Born January 9th, 1996. You know, the longer I work with the Dragons, the younger all these players are, and I feel super old. Actually, it happens at Wright State and Dayton, too. But, you know, announcing. So, let's talk a little bit about Andy Fisher. One game started, five out of the bullpen. An ERA of .87. That's under one earned run average per game. That's pretty good. 20 and two-thirds innings pitched. Two earned runs, four runs total. Three walks, 26 strikeouts, and opponents are batting 173 against Fisher in rookie ball. Like I mentioned, Fisher is scheduled to make one of the starts at Kane County in place of the two starters that the Dragons lost to the IL. The other one will be Adrian Rodriguez, who has bounced around with the Dragons between starting and bullpen work. When he's been in the bullpen, Rodriguez... He's done better. He's done better by giving him another chance to start. I'm interested to see how it will go tonight. Because Rodriguez, when his stuff's on, he's very good. But there you go. That's your new Dragons for the team. And also, when it says one on the new ad, or the new Twitter, new ad, when it says one on the new Twitter, it's not saying new tweets. It's saying notifications. Interesting to know. I think my brain's on the IL. It was a busy week I've had. I wouldn't be surprised. But, yes, the IL bug has definitely hit Dayton. It'll be interesting to see how the new pitchers battle it out. By new pitchers, I mean one coming back out of the bullpen to start and Andy Fisher coming from rookie ball to go to single A or low A, but I don't like that term, low A. Now we talk about the Cincinnati Reds. If you want to talk about the IL bug hitting the Queen City, oh boy. 
I'll talk a little bit about the updates to some of the Reds still on the IL. Amir Garrett, I was sad to see he got put in the IL before All-Star game. Scheduled to pitch in a rehab assignment in Louisville this Friday. Garrett threw 20 pitches to hitters in a live batting practice on Wednesday at Wrigley Field without issue. So that's good. I like that. Bell, manager David Bell, expects Garrett to be ready for activation on Sunday. That's big news because, as you might have heard, the bullpen is starting to collapse. And no, I'm not going to get in the whole boat of, you're burning the bullpen. I mean, yeah, but it's tough. I don't know exactly how I feel on that. Robert Stevenson got lit up by the Cardinals, giving up a grand slam, and St. Louis took the game from there. I mean, David Hernandez, he hasn't been himself, and I see lots and lots of tweets saying get rid of him. I mean, it's not just one. It's, it is tough. It's tough to see this team that has so much promise start to slide downwards. And that might be the overly optimistic side of me, thinking that, you know, Reds are going to have an interesting second half, and they're going to battle. But... So far, not so good. There's also a couple other updates for you. Starter Alex Wood. You remember him from the Dodgers deal? Sure you do. Hasn't pitched yet for the Reds with lower back spasms. But there is good news. Alex Wood made his third rehab start for Louisville on Wednesday. This is all from Reds.com. Really good reports on not only how he felt, but how he pitched. That is, uh, that's as close to the green light as I feel. Will we get Wood for Cincinnati soon? I don't know. The nice thing is, he had a shortened outing because of the rain, finished it up in the batting cage, got up to 70 pitches. Once you get more of the wear and tear on that arm, you'll start to, it, it becomes like riding a bike again. Except for me, I never rode a bike. One more rehab start at least for Alex Wood in Louisville. One more at least. That'll be interesting to see. And Nick Senzel, who I've been delighted with seeing as a Red, considering that we didn't see him too much in Dayton uh, that 2016 year where we almost lost 100 games. Day-to-day with right hamstring tightness. Exited the contest in Chicago on Wednesday. Mild injury. So hopefully low rest and we'll have our center fielder back out there. Day or two, says David Bell. We'll look up and talk about the new catchers. Oh yeah, didn't I mention? Kirk Asali, you're to the I.L., Kyle Farmer, you're to the I.L. Tucker Barnhart, you're still in the I.L. Then who's going to catch? Eh, we just use the catching machine. You know, there's a pitching machine. There's got to be a catching machine, right? No, that's silly. There's also David Hernandez. I mentioned him briefly. He's now on the injured list with right shoulder fatigue. Oi. So your call-ups... One-time Fort Wayne tin cap, Josh Van Meter. 
Right-handed pitcher Lucas Sims, formerly of the Atlanta Braves, but his one start with Cincinnati. Delightful. If he can bring that stuff back, I'm happy for that. Jesus Reyes was designated for assignment to clear a spot on the 40-man roster for a one-year big league contract and catcher Ryan Lavernway, formerly of the New York Yankees. They released him the other day because... Unlike most teams in baseball, the Yankees are pretty stacked at the catching role. I'm jealous. Not going to lie, but there you go. So, Laverne Way is now a Cincinnati Red, and he's going to back up one Juan Gratterall, who I've seen through RedsMeyerLeagues.com, thanks to Doug. Wanted to call him DougDirt24, but that's his Twitter name. Doug Gray. Sorry. Wow, that was quite embarrassing. I probably should have edited that out. But there you go. Two new catchers. When you're trying to get into a team and learn the pitcher's ways, how to call a game, that's tough. you got to admire both of those catchers for stepping into the role of duty. Or the call of duty. That's a game. This is a podcast. So, Laverne Way, there's an article... About him on the Inquirer website, Inquirer.com, or Cincinnati.com even. He's talking about how he likes that the Yankees did right by him because, again, the AL New York squad, pretty deep at catching. And problem is, when you're deep at catching, someone's going to have to wait or possibly not get any chance at all. He saw, which is back to the article... Written by Bobby Nightingale of Cincinnati Enquirer. He being Laverne Way, the new catcher. He saw Sonny Gray pitch in spring training, but never caught him before. Before the game, Gratterall told Gray that he would follow his pitcher's lead. Whatever Gray wanted to throw was fine with him. After a few innings, they were in sync, and they both felt like they worked well together. Positive sign. Like I mentioned, you're brand new to this team. Try and do the calls for your pitcher. You gotta work with them, and pitchers gotta work with you. And it seems like the Gray and Gratterall tandem, not bad. So it'll be very, very interesting to see. Um, thinking the Reds get back on track tonight, but again, that might be the overly, overly positive side of me, which most people don't get to see because I'm a jerk. The story which I recommend you reading talks about how Laverne White literally picked up his life and moved out to Cincinnati, signed that deal to become part of the Reds. Gratterall, who participated in the big league camp in spring training, he got the call up. I think that was before Casale and Farmer both hit to the IL, but I'm not sure on that. I still think the Reds can make a run at it. I know that bullpen's got to be feeling tired, but I'm still holding out. I know there's a lot of people that have just like, eh, it's on. For me, it's Marty Brenneman's last year, and I'm listening to all of his games when I can. I still hope the Cowboys sticks around, too. I'm radio. So that's the IL train. Buy IL train. Never darken our halls again. So it's hitting Dayton and Cincinnati pretty tough. And speaking about hitting Dayton and Cincinnati pretty tough, the summer of the Dutch Lions is over. 
Last game for both squads resulted in non-victories as Dayton fell to Flint City in Michigan 1-0 and Cincinnati drew with West Virginia 2-2. That meant Flint City, with their win over Dayton, got in the playoffs. And they will be battling on Friday. Chicago SC United's in there, one of the first teams. Not sure if it's the first team, but one of the first teams to clinch a playoff spot. They're in there as well. It's it's sad because both the Dutch Line squad had a chance and it just didn't turn out. I know Dayton had a pretty light squad heading up to Flint City that Saturday because this is a time where you can go back home if you're not from the States, you know, rest with family for a little bit and then head back out and go do your college thing. I know it's tough and it is it is sad, but I know I know twenty twenty will be pretty special. So, definitely congrats go out to a hard-played season for both the Dayton and Cincinnati Dutch Lions. And I mentioned last week for Dayton, it's an honor being the PA announcer for all the matches. Hope to be back in 2020. Tough, tough way to end 2019 for both Dutch Lions squads, but they competed every match. That's all you can ask for. And now we talk from USL League 2 to MOS. And no, Columbus nor Cincinnati are in the playoffs, in the playoff running in the Eastern Conference. I will tell you, FC Cincinnati routed off two wins in a row before falling at home to DC United 4-1. to Wayne Rooney scored a goal for DC United. Not the game-winning goal, but the... It should be a stat term for the extra goals, like icing on the cake goals. Mmm, icing. Maybe later. So FC Cincinnati, they are the bottom of the table, Eastern Conference standings, at 5-14-2. But there is positive news, and I think I mentioned last week that plans were unveiled for the new FC Cincinnati Stadium, which, awesome. I still don't know on the process of the Stargill Stadium 2, if that's going to be open for this upcoming football season. Can't believe that's only a couple weeks away. And yes, we'll have an episode dedicated to high school football. Don't you worry. I didn't think it was that far ago, but I've been a retweeting machine. And a wrecking machine. I guess, I don't know. Here we go. This is from West End Stadium on Twitter. West End Stadium, July 16th. And it shows pictures of the jewel on the Queen City's crown. Sounds like this podcast title. Too bad I have no money and no standing on it. But there you go. It looks beautiful. But then again, it's drawing, so. It's got a nice blue glowish tint. And it looks like all the seats are going to be covered. So I, I can't wait to see this actually built. I know there's still a long time between, you know, actually being open... But the due date, the aim due date, is 2021. Sounds good. Designs unveiled. There's a video you can watch at FC Cincinnati's website. Scheduled to open March 2021. It'll be the future home of the Major League Soccer team. That's good. I thought it was going to be home to ducks and birds and everything like that. It's going to cost $250 million. It's privately funded by the club's diverse local ownership group. 
designed by world-renowned architecture firm Populous and led by Jonathan Malley, senior principal and director of the New York office. West End Stadium features an ambitious interpretation of Cincinnati on the rise. There's no skyline there. What's that about? No, I'm kidding. I'm sorry. So, some of the distinguishing features that it mentions in the article. A complete 360-degree canopy roof will cover every single seat in the stadium. I said that earlier. A total of 513 vertical fins will form the wave-like external structure that encloses the stadium. 513, if you're wondering what that reference is to, it's for area code 513. You know, the 513. I think they make shirts with 513. They made shirts with 937. I don't know if they're still on sale, though. Custom LED lighting on each fin will help the stadium appear to glow when lit for evening events. Wake up your neighbors. Wake up the world. Wake up everyone. It's playoff time. I have no, I have no idea what that was about. That's not part of the article. A total of six entrance gates will bring fans into the building at concourse level. The grand staircase rises 30 feet from the ashes from Central Parkway, providing a regal entrance into the stadium and showcasing the club's world-famous supporters' march. If you've never seen a video of FC Cincinnati supporters marching down to the field, it's it's quite nice. It's it's beautiful. Hopefully one day I get to be part of that, but there you go. The Mercy Health Plaza, located in the southeast corner of the stadium, will provide accessible community programming space at the crossroads of two neighborhoods, the West End and Over the Rhine. Now look at the internal design features. Seats! You can put your butt on them! I'm sorry. They're guessing between 26,000 and 26,500, pending the final seating manifest. A 110-yard by 75-yard natural grass field. A central field tunnel that guides the teams out just inches from the fans. A total of 59 suites, including two party suites and three field-level suites, the most in MLS for a venue that does not also host an NFL team. Take that, Atlanta and New England and probably a couple other teams I'm forgetting about. They're looking at 4,500 total seats in the premium clubs, four distinct premium club areas, each with unique designs and amenities, varying hospitality options in different locations throughout the stadium. What, not just one place? 3,100 safe standing seats in the Bailey, the designated supporter section that encompasses almost the entire north end of the stadium. North end be facing 75 towards Dayton. The upper mezzanine is also pitched at 34 degrees, putting the farthest seat in the stadium only 130 feet from the field. That means that, really, there's not a far seat away. And that is pretty much bang for your buck right there. Two video boards and two LED ribbon scoreboards that wrap the mezzanine's facade. I keep thinking it's facade, but that's not it. I said facade, so yay me. Around the stadium... Indoor seating to accommodate 75 media members in the press box, plus three television booths, four radio booths, and one auxiliary broadcast booth on the east facing press level. Six TV broadcast trucks, including satellite trucks, because, you know, satellites nationwide, there you go, can be accommodated in the broadcast compound with overflow space adjacent to the stadium. So, yeah, the stadium sounds pretty cool. I mean, I, 
I don't personally know what the issues are still going. I mean, there's a long talk where maybe West End wasn't looking good, and then it turns out it was. There's a website for this. There's a Twitter for it. There's an Instagram for that. There's a Facebook page for that. You can go like them if you want. Again, it's all off FC Cincinnati's page. And the three people that have quotes mention it. Jonathan Malley from Populous, the people designing it. There's a dedication and authenticity to soccer in Cincinnati that rivals any city in the U.S. Take that, any other city in the U.S., our design for FC Cincinnati harnesses the energy of the fans to create a world-class soccer atmosphere. Also, it powers up most of the West End and over the Rhine when fans cheer. You think they'll ever think, like, hey, maybe we can convert sports fans into energy or something like that? I don't know. I don't know. All I know is I'm tired and the heat sucks. But there you go. That is something to look forward to. The Columbus crew on the other side, like I mentioned last week, I believe, they okayed the plans to have the crew come to the Arena District, which, if you're not familiar with Columbus, it's a pretty sweet area. It's where the Blue Jackets and Destroyers play, the Clippers, and now the crew. Before, well, currently, the crew play at the northern crest of the Ohio State Fairgrounds, which eh, I don't think it's that far away. I'm not. In Columbus, I'm in Dayton. What would I know? But at the same time, Arena District has all the restaurants and everything. The area that the crew currently sit in, there's a Frishes and a Lowe's. Is that good? You get what I'm saying. I think it's better when the crew will move to the Arena District. Also, while we're on the subject of MLS soccer, how about San Jose and the Earthquakes? I'm not quite talking about standings, as they're fifth in the West, but how about that burn they laid on Austin? I have to pull this up on my Twitter, which, if you want to follow me, it's at the Lee W. Mallon. You can tell me how weird this episode has become, and I will agree with you, because, yes, it has become weird. One of these days... Oh, here it is. It's from yesterday. Hey, welcome to MLS. Happy you didn't take anyone's team away from their city. <laughs> oh, I love that tweet so much. I retweeted with a gif of my own. Some guy shooting flames, and then I put a flame emoji on it because, yeah. The moral of the story is both Columbus and Cincinnati, excuse me, FC Cincinnati, are struggling this year. The crew are just 5, 14, and 3. That's one draw better than FC Cincinnati with one more match played. But pretty soon, it's hell is real time. And I don't know about you, but I'm pretty excited. So there you go. And that will wrap up episode 105 quite nicely, actually. The Destroyers have one more road game. They lost the last home game pretty handily to the Albany Empire, one of the top teams in the AFL. I'm hoping the Destroyers come back because I want to go to Destroyers match next year. I said I wanted to this year, but it just never happened. Hopefully they come back. And hopefully more teams. Because six teams, eh. I know it's the AFL trying to rise from the ashes of the AFL as we knew it. But I'm hoping there's more teams next year. 
I think that will do it. That's episode 105 of the Gem and the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast. You know where to follow if you like anything I say. It's at the Lee W. Mowen and also Gem on Queen Crown on Twitter. It'd be nice to have you follow along. Also, don't forget the Flick Chat app. It's free. It's on Google Play and in the App Store. Free to download, free to make an account, free to join the local Sunday sports group. It's all one word, no hashtag mark, no pound sign even. Whoa, that made me feel old. How about you? But join it. I, I hope it turns out to be something cool. You can leave your Malins messages there. Malins mailbag messages. Malins messages. Where did that come from? I know, left field. And now... I'm putting myself on the IL because my brain is completely fried from a long, long week of work. Until the two-year anniversary episode, folks, get your questions into Mound's mailbag and stay hydrated. And if you're in the Springfield area, come out and see the Kings play 6.30 Saturday, July 20th. It'll be fun. There's baseball. You don't have to hear my voice. Well, you have to hear my voice, but there you go. Till 106. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Closing theme is Leveled Up by Bad Snacks from YouTube via royalty-free music, no copyright music group. Visit theleewmowen.com slash podcast to listen on your favorite platform, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, CastBox, Anchor, and more. Follow along on Twitter at GemOnQueenCrown and at theleewmowen.com and on Facebook by liking the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast page, and become a member of the Facebook group, Fans of the Local Sunday Sports Podcast. Once again, thank you for listening. This is Lee W. Mowen saying goodbye, and please join us again for another new episode of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast.